Jeff Salzman here, and welcome back to the Daily Evolver. I'm really happy <laughs> to be back in the saddle again. It's been a difficult period, and I'm talking about the passing of our Daily Evolver producer, our beloved Brett, who died on June 7th of an overdose of opiates. Unfortunately, he had been struggling with this for many years and clean for many years. And it went in the wrong direction. So it was sudden and sad. And uh, I so appreciate the outpouring of love and warmth that I got from many of you. And we had a sweet memorial a couple days after his passing with Diane Hamilton and the Dragonheart Sangha, who is his spiritual group. And that is posted. And um, yeah, so we miss Brett. I miss him right here in this moment because, as many of you pointed out, he was a wonderful presence on the show. And um, his just always had a lovely, his voice, his wisdom, his warmth. You know, I really do miss him. And not just that, of course, he was truly the driving force in many ways behind certainly the expansion of the Daily Evolver. I did it for years, <laughs> as if I always say, I, was, I felt like I was casting it into a well. And I never really paid any attention to who was listening or if anybody was. But Brett changed that, and so we started getting a little more, you know, professional, and, and it worked. So anyway, Brett has gone on to whatever is next, and he and I talked a lot about this. This is what we did, you know, kind of day in and day out here, and we both, our, our understanding of evolution, and particularly the evolution of consciousness is that something is next and that there is a continuation of the awakening of Eros in the cosmos through our evolution, through, in Brett's case, the evolution of Brett and Brettness. And so there is a next stop in the development of his and all of our immortal spirits. So like I said, Brett and I talked about this sort of thing a lot, and we were both quite smitten by this conversation we had with Ken Wilbur about a year or so ago, where Ken was musing about the nature of reincarnation, if indeed that is what happens. And he brought up this beautiful Buddhist teaching that says that what we get to take forward into our next life or our next incarnation is a sum total of our wisdom and virtue. Our wisdom and virtue. Wisdom being defined as the ability to see the absolute or God in everything, in any moment that we choose to. And that to the degree that we can do that, we get to take that with us. That's our wisdom. And the second thing is our virtue. 
or the sum total of all of the good that we've done in our life. It's kind of like the love you make is equal to the love you take. And Brett and I talked often about the deep attraction uh, that we had to that teaching and the um, fulfillment that we gained in realizing that our lives and this system that we live in, this world that we live in, is actually part of a larger system that exists beyond our individual lifetime and identity. So, what I want to say about Brett, and indeed to you, Brett, is that if indeed we do get to take with us into the next life, the sum total of our wisdom and virtue, then, Brett, you are very well positioned in your new incarnation, I'm thinking. And my dear brother, I can't wait to see you there in some fashion. Amen. So let's ring a bell for Brett and let the sound carry our own identity out in all directions to eternity and infinity and beyond. Okay, so it's just you and me, folks. And, uh, yeah, I just want to restate the mission of the Daily Evolver. And that is to put forth something that I've always been fascinated with as long as I've been in the integral world. And that is to use integral theory as a way of understanding current events and conversely to use current events as a way of understanding integral theory. And it's a very virtuous circle we have found ourselves in here, I think. And as I said, I'm really thrilled to be back in our orbit together. For those of you who are new to integral theory, Don't worry, I think you can be okay with this podcast not knowing much about it at all. But if you do want to know more about it and follow along more closely, there are a couple charts that I have posted on my website, dailyevolver.com. And there's a section called About Integral Theory. And you click that, and at the top of that page are a couple charts that are, you know, really central. One is called the Altitudes of Development, and the other is the Quadrants of Reality. And these are two of the five aqua maps developed by Ken Wilber, who is, you know, my hero. And for many of you, the great teacher who has really ushered you into 
the integral territory. That's certainly true of me. Really, though, serious integral thinkers need to be aware of Ken. And you can certainly start by reading his 25 books, or you can find him on Integral Life, where he is headquartered, and which is the um, central portal for the integral world, integral life. It's a subscription site. It's well worth it. And um, it's also my original major platform for the Daily Evolver. So I love those guys. They're doing great work. And I encourage you to check them out and join the community there. Okay, so let's take a look at these two conventions. We'll start with the Democrats. So, of course, the Democratic Party represents the left spectrum of American politics, the more liberal, from an integral developmental perspective, the more green, postmodern group of people in the country. And as you would expect, because culture continues to evolve and green continues to evolve, that this convention was the greenest convention ever. And how does that show up? Well, we look at the core values of the green meme, of the postmodern structure of development. And one of them is the value of being world-centric. The Democrats were world-centric in terms of, for instance, climate change, which is a problem only seen by world-centric people, and a call to action on that. We see world-centrism in the Democrats' commitment to multiculturalism. And we see this in terms of friendliness to other cultures and friendliness to immigrants of other cultures and this multicultural thing. Another value or project of the green meme is that it seeks to bring into the system all of the people who have been neglected or oppressed by the previous system, the modernist system. And this is the social justice impulse of the green meme, which is committed to bringing full four-quadrant equality to all people. And so they highlight the plight of the inner-city blacks, particularly young black people, the struggles of gays and lesbians and transgendered people for full equality, the animus that is surfacing towards American Muslims, and, of course, feminism. And this is, of course, a major theme of this convention and the whole campaign of Hillary Clinton. And that is the significance of the American people electing a woman as president of the United States. So again, pillar one, a world-centric view. Pillar two, social justice. And then there's pillar three, which is economic justice. And this is the amazing achievement of Bernie Sanders and his people to legitimize and bring into mainstream political discourse a credible argument for social democracy. And all of these flourished at this Democratic Convention. And all of them are and will be, as they are more or less implemented, uh, major cultural progress into the green postmodern meme for our country. Okay, so there was that convention. But then there was this 
other convention of the patriotic and God-fearing people, you know, <laughs> and they had the big scary general up there calling for American strength and active leadership in the world. And they had a vigil for the slain police officers and, you know, culture warriors arguing for all the small town values like hard work, faith, humility, helping each other out, making sacrifices for our children. And of course, the preachers with their big florid prayers and call and response and talk of Almighty God. And when there were hecklers, they were shouted down with chants of USA, USA. And we all know whose convention this was, don't we? Except no. This was the Democratic Convention, too. This is the year that the Democratic Party reached beyond its traditional focus on identity politics and grievance and recognized itself as a new America, a new American system, a new, bigger American community with all of the values that communities, healthy communities, have always held. And now, writ large, into a new culture that is multicultural and yet still deeply American. And so you have the Muslim parents showing up, not to argue that people should have a better understanding of what it is to be a Muslim American, but they're arguing that people should have a better understanding of what it is to be an American. Period. I mean, he's the one who's waving the Constitution, not in defiance, but in reverence, deep support, that had, in his case and in his wife's case, the moral authority of them being gold star parents who lost their son in the Iraqi war. A beautiful moment, and one that was emblematic of something that I think is very evolutionarily significant about this democratic convention and this new world space that I see coming online that vibes fully at the green postmodern level and also vibes fully at the traditional level, at least in terms of bringing forward the best of the traditional level which is basically all traditional values shorn of their ethnocentric expression. So that when you talk about helping people out, you're talking about helping everybody out, not just my people out. Because my people become all people. At least that's the ideal. So integrally speaking, we have... The values of the amber meme, the amber traditionalism, expressed into a larger container of postmodern pluralism. And this is an integral move because we are beginning to have an integration of these two value spheres, these two worldviews. 
traditionalism and pluralism that have been at war for the last 50 plus years since postmodern green values came online in the 60s. They didn't exist in mass form before that on the planet in all of history. And so, you know, these two have been at war for a long time, with modernity being the place in between that is less ideological and more practical, scientific, technological. Uh, it'll go along with either ideology, provided it can make a buck. So you have traditional values, modern values, and postmodern values, all vibing and integrating in the same system, all being expressed in the same system. And this, I would argue, is the beginning of a new integral system because it represents a movement beyond traditional green. Traditional green, which was still monoperspectival. It thought that its multicultural view was the only appropriate view for all circumstances. And because it was rooted in opposition to a amber-orange traditional modern system that was dominant in the first half of the 20th century, because it was founded in opposition to that, it had an anti-modern, anti-intellectual, anti-traditional values, religion, patriotism, all of this was embarrassing to Green. Green wanted to create a new view that was beyond the dominator hierarchies of most of human history that were held in place by ethnocentric patriotism and religion. What integral consciousness realizes is that patriotism is a good thing. It's okay. It's good to love the world but it's also good to love your people special and your country. And you can do that without having to be in opposition to anybody. And this is a textbook integral project. Because at integral, what becomes interesting, among other things, is going back and looking at the values of the previous structures, of the previous levels, and seeing what needs to be brought back online. And so we are integrating these previous stages, and in the case of the Democratic Party, integrating the values of traditionalism with the values of modernism and postmodernism. And anytime you're doing that, that begins to pop you into integral land. Because as I said, green, pure green, is allergic to the values of modernity, or many of them at least, modernity and, and, and traditionalism. And this is the nature of evolution itself. As Steve McIntosh emphasizes, reality is structured as a series of enduring polarities, one of which is the built-in polarity between progressive and conservative. And that one of the ways we move forward in evolution is that we take on the best characteristics of people in the other pole, even though we might be fighting them every step of the way. The classic example is the evolution of gender. 
where our grandparents and certainly great-grandparents and ancestors had very strong sex role uh, stereotypes. And that that softened over time. In modernity, women started going to work. In post-modernity, men started getting sensitive. <laughs> and so you now have a, a situation where people can literally be anything they want to be. And that's really what's next, the transsexual and so forth, which is a topic for another podcast. But this same kind of evolution between these certain enduring polarities is happening in politics with the left and the right. In fact, Steve McIntosh, who is, by the way, the executive director of the Institute for Cultural Evolution here in Boulder, uh, he wrote a paper, gosh, over a year ago, talking about the inevitable next move in the evolution of politics is for there to arise out of green new kind of thinking, what he called an optimistic postmodern worldview. And this is in, uh, in a certain polarity uh, to the typical emotional <laughs> disposition of people who are in green, uh, and that is a certain existential despair and a feeling that history's been one long cluster, you know what. And, you know, we're killing the planet, and it's, it's one of despair and, and certainly not optimism. In fact, it's quite uncool to be optimistic if you're at a typical Boulder dinner party, for instance. Anyway, you saw this optimistic postmodern view at the Democratic Convention. And I could even plug in a couple other words like patriotic postmodern and even faithful. The preachers were preaching the message of green, but in the language and emotional complexion of Amber and of the black church and this Reverend William Barber II, just fantastic. And his line, is there a heart in this house? Is there a heart in America? And this is, this is important to see this coming online in what's emerging out of the old green democratic party, because we know that demographically 40% of the democratic party is made up of people of color. And it was 50% of the delegates at the convention. And it's just this statistical fact that Latinos and blacks particularly are more religious than the godless white liberals <laughs> that make up the rest of the Democratic Party. So there is a natural resonance among these folks for a message that has the words and music, so to speak, of religion, of some faith that there is a reality bigger than us that is friendly and loving. And that is also, in my opinion, beginning to get into integral territory. It has real spiritual potency without the exclusivity claims of real amber religions who say that my God's better than your God and, and that's sort of the whole project. Now, the upside of that, of course, is that you have deep community with the people in your tribe, part of which is reified by the opposition to the people who are not in your tribe. Uh, in post-modernity, that whole structure is broken open. Everybody's invited. And so you have a sort of a new sense of community that is coming online that has the qualities 
of a spiritual community. And I'll just quote a young woman who caught my attention. I think she was the youngest delegate. She was 23 years old, Bree Golden from Baton Rouge. And she said, this convention has done an excellent job of unifying people of all races, religions, and sexual orientation. She said, I've never seen the country so divided, but here everybody's represented. I look out and I see color everywhere. I've never felt this kind of unity before, not even in church. So, people who are fully postmodern, fully pluralistic, who are now also optimistic and patriotic and lit up with spirit, now you have a new thing. You have a new human being. And this is, in my opinion, the continued dawning of Homo integralis. So let's go over and look at the other side of the pole, the right, which is also evolving in opposition to the left. And in doing so is taking on some of the best values of the left. So you see an integration there as well. I think the most remarkable example of it was during Donald Trump's acceptance speech, where he talked about uh, he would pay special attention to protecting the LGBTQ community and got applause, uh, big applause, and, um, and stopped in that moment and said, I'm really glad to hear a Republican convention applaud that line. And they applauded some more. So that deal is done with the Republican Party, too. Uh, it's no longer going to be, there's, there are still the, the social conservatives who will be the dead enders with this. And they're there and, you know, they made their presence known. But the party as a whole, uh, both in terms of the delegates and the members, the Republicans around the country, the gay issue is settled. What's so remarkable is that the Republican Party is being split in other ways that relate to the values of the party. The Republican Party has most of the traditionalists, uh, the fundamentalists, uh, religious people, patriotic people, the people that we're talking about with traditional values. They're Republicans for the most part. What they also have are basically half the moderns, or maybe a little more than half, but you have the modernists who are business people, libertarians, suburban, working, interested in the establishment, globalist in commerce, if not in culture, these folks tend to be Republican. The other half or so of the moderns tend to skew uh, with the Democrats, and these are the academics, scientists, people in entertainment, culture, arts. Um, these will skew in the left. So you see the, you know, how... Three memes, how three developmental levels translate into two parties. And I might note, they are in conflict in both parties. You have the Bernie Sanders liberals and the more modernist liberals on the Democrats who don't see eye to eye. On the right, you see the same thing. The traditionalist Republican, even the pre-traditionalist Republicans, the, the people who are more red, if you will, authoritarian. Uh, they like Trump. And the more modernist 
leaning Republicans have their problems with Trump. Remember, Trump only got 45% of the Republican vote, even in the primaries. And so you have people who are secular, who are actually, they, they like the establishment. They're invested in it. They want to make it better. They want to solve problems. They aren't mad at immigrants. They want the borders controlled and they want law and order, but they're not just emotionally anti-immigrant. And they also are uh, anti-authoritarian. They have antibodies to Donald Trump and his braggadocio. Uh, They were taught to be humble and to uh, serve. And uh, a lot of these people are having uh, a lot of cognitive dissonance with this nominee that they're stuck with. And out of this catastrophe of this Donald Trump candidacy, uh, out of the ashes of his ignominious defeat in November, they will regroup into a better system. In fact, I have a lot of hope for the post-Trump Republican Party. And not the party itself, maybe even that changes. But there is an intelligent center-right in this country that has ideas, and they want to make America better and do it in conservative ways. Fair enough. Uh, In fact, Steve McIntosh talked about these people, too. He calls them progressive libertarians. And I think maybe even a better term would be progressive conservatives, as sort of paradoxical as that sounds. But these are people who want to use conservative values to make the world a better place by doing the things that a lot of people on the left want to do, which is give every child the equal opportunity to be successful, to alleviate poverty, create a more racially harmonious and rich culture, avoid over-entangling ourselves in foreign affairs. There's a lot of agreement coming from the right that begins to start sounding like the left. And this, again, is new, the progressive conservative. And this is the what's emerging out of the right, just as, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, what's emerging out of the left is the optimistic, patriotic, spiritually lit up postmodernist. So I say welcome to them both and recognize them as important emergent steps into our new identity, homo integralis. All right. Well, there's so much more to talk about. What an interesting election. What an interesting time. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be back behind the microphone here, trying to make sense of it all. And I will continue. And I hope you continue to tune in. Uh, You can find the archives at both Integral Life and at my website, Daily Evolver, E-V-O-L-V-E-R, dailyevolver.com where I post other things also, uh, in addition to these podcasts, that I think illuminate the beautiful but not always pretty (laughs) process of consciousness and cultural evolution. So again, folks, thank you so much for listening and for your wonderful outpouring of love and prayers and affection for 
our dearly departed, much beloved Brett Andrew Walker. And I'm going to end with a poem that one of my favorite integral friends sent me, uh, Zachary Fetter. He read it onto SpeakPipe, and it's a poem by Stephen Levine. And um, here it is. And so there's this little poem that I'll share with you. And it's called, This is How to Die. A sense of lightning, an expanding, a floating free. For some, it takes a single seamless sigh. For others, it is a more gradual ascension. Either way works. Both astound the heart with unexpected joy. Both get us where we are going. But an enormous irony separates the dying from the living. A mirror effect in space. Things are not what they appear. Each stage of the body shutting down liberates something within. Each outer manifestation of death is accompanied by an increasingly expansive aliveness within. In dying, as in meditation, the deeper we go, the less definable we become, and the more real we feel. <laughs>